I'll ask you to reach for your Bibles as we, get, as we pray on this word that we are about to read. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We give you our praises. We give you all our worship. We give you all the honor because it belongs to you. Father, in a very special way, I thank you for the men and women that have chosen, that have chosen to put aside everything else that is, seems to be competing for our attention. We live in times when there's so much destruction so for every man, for every woman, for every child, for every person that has chosen to join tonight, to take, to put this side up, to set this time apart, Lord, I thank you for that which you have planted in them, for that thirst, for that hunger, for that desire that you continue to put in us. For we know that in and of ourselves, we are not able to cause ourselves to seek you. We're not able to cause ourselves to desire you. So Holy Spirit, as you continue to create that thirst in us, we refuse to take that for granted. So we thank you for every person that you're causing to seek you, that you're causing to desire you, that you're causing to want to know more and more of you. You're causing to want to be more and more like you. And tonight, as we stand in this world, as we remember all the fathers of this world, all the different types of fathers, Lord, we pray that tonight as we stand, that that father will be lifted up, that that father will be reawakened, that that father will be strengthened. We thank you in a very special way for those that have stood. We thank you in a special way for those that you have blessed in, in very different ways and those that have extended that blessing onto the people around them, the people in their care, the people in their life, the people that you have placed in their in their care, the people to whom they are responsible. God, I thank you for every single one of those, those fathers that has gone ahead and lived up to their responsibility. Tonight, as we stand in this word, as we read it, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and you apportion it and you divide it for us. For you're such a God who in this prayer night, none of us, none of your children that has come today will go back the same way that they have come. For you say that your word, when it comes, it cannot go back empty. It comes and it accomplishes a purpose. And we know that the purpose for which you're sending this word tonight is a good purpose. May it touch, may it move, may it transform. May it do what it knows to do in every single one of us. May it cause us to be transformed from the inside out. We give you praise. And even as we come to your table, as we, as even as we come to your altar, God, we acknowledge that we have missed the mark in so many ways. We have offended you. We have violated you. We have lived in ways that are the opposite of what you have called us. And for that, we come with contrite hearts. For you say in your word that such a heart you do not despise. God, even as I open this mouth to speak, may I only be a vessel for every person that is going to speak tonight. May you continue to use them. Continue to use Brahim. Continue to use um, Chalam Gans. Continue to use every person that will speak tonight. May your people hear only that word that you have purpose that they hear tonight. Well, that will be less of us and more of you. That this moment will be everything about you and nothing about us. We give you praise, we give you all our worship, we give you all the glory because it belongs to you. Through Christ our Lord, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Tonight we do have a word that we're going to share and then we will resume our prayer session. 
But as you hear this word, I also invite you to allow the word to do what God sends the word to do. Because when he sends his word, he says, he says that when he sends his word, Mrs. Mganze, it is like rain. He says there is no rain, Brahim. There is no rain that touches the ground and it doesn't make it wet. That is what he says of his word. That when he sends his word, the same thing rain does to the ground is what the word does to us when it touches us. So I want you tonight, if you have been so dry, I want you to allow yourself to receive the word. If you're that father there that this word might apply to, if you're that son there that this word might apply to, if you're that wife, if you're that family member that this word would apply to, allow yourself to be, what is the word? Allow the word to soften that ground. Allow the word to do that. Allow the word to do that for you. And as we do that, I want to invite you to reach for your Bible if you haven't done so already. In the Bible is open to the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. And what we are doing here is to take uh, a minute to look at uh, to what is the word to sever the message that was uh, shared with us last Sunday by our very dear uh, Reverend Peace, uh, newly ordained. She is so fresh. The, 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 the anointing is just flowing. Uh, we love you, Pastor Peace. God bless you. I know that you're tuning in. I thank God for you. So thank you for the word tonight. So what, we, what, what we're trying to do by the leading of the Holy Spirit is that whenever we hear a word on Sunday, we refuse to just jump from it. We take the time with it. Like the Bereans, we search the scripture. We continue to feed ourselves onto that word until <laughs> I'm tempted to use some Luganda words, but I'll, I'll just uh, tame myself. I'll tame myself. Uh, there's a, a scripture that we're going to read. It is in chapter 9. Chapter 9. We are reading uh, different verses, and I'll tell you for actually the reason for that. So we're going to read verse 1, and then we'll jump to verse 20. This portion of scripture is about a man or a father that many of you know about. This, this father has a name, and that name is Noah. Now, a lot of you know many things about Noah, some positive, some negative, but tonight we are, we're looking at him as a father. And as you who is listening in, I just want you to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he is trying to accomplish in sending this word to you and I as we stand in this prayer. The Bible says, now I want you to think of this father Noah as a man in this particular portion of scripture who received a blessing from God. Who received what? A blessing. So the man we are about to talk about, he was blessed. God pronounced a blessing on to his life. And what, where do I get that? I get that from verse 1. What does verse 1 say? Verse 1 says, And God pronounced a blessing upon Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
Now, verse 2 up to verse 19, he mentions all the different types of tonight. So he pronounced on to Noah. So that is not the purpose of our message tonight. So you know that from that, from verse 2 to verse 19, he mentions all the different types of blessing. So I want you to appreciate that he was blessed. So pay attention to that. He's a father who has been what? Blessed. And God has pronounced a blessing unto him. Now, we are still talking about the same father who was blessed. Even as we read verse 20. So let us read verse 20 up to 25. Verse 20 says, And Noah began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. I feel like asking a, a brother there to read, uh, whoever has the microphone there, so that we read uh, together. Uh, so there is verse, uh, I'll read verse 20, and you read verse 21. And then also, Mrs. Muganz will read verse 22. So people, just so you know, uh, those of you who are tuning in online, I am not speaking to empty chairs uh, like uh, we used to do back then. Can you believe we are now saying back then? Don't know. He is a good God. He is a good God. All right, verse 20. I'll read verse 20. My brother will read verse 21. This is typically how we would have done it. And then uh, Mrs. Mgazi is going to read verse 22. So verse 20, chapter 9. And Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. He drank some of the wine and became drunk, and he was uncovered and lay exposed inside his tent. Who is this man we are talking about? The same man of what? Of verse 1. Who, to whom God pronounced actually a whole bunch of blessings. The entire portion of scripture from verse 2 to verse 19 just mentioned the different kinds of blessing. He is the same man. Who, what, what has just happened right now? After planting the vineyard, he got drunk. And besides, as if getting drunk was not enough, <laughs> he lay naked exposing himself to his children. So I want you to pay attention there. There's something very, very important. His nakedness is now exposed to his children. So I'm speaking to a father here who can relate to this in a very literal sense. As you look in, you can conduct yourself with in the presence of your children, you can say, you know what, pastor, if I'm to be honest with you, I have exposed my nakedness to my children. And it may not be necessarily taking off your clothes and they see you naked, but nakedness in all different kinds of forms. Where your children have seen from you what they should never have seen. Where your children have seen in you things they would have been better off going to their grave without ever coming across. That is the father that I am speaking to tonight. Oh, for you and I who are standing in prayer, I want you to think about that father, Mrs. Mganz, as you open your mouth to pray. That father who is, as they are hearing this, they are saying, Pastor, you are talking about me. When I look back, 
there are some things I have exposed to my children that I know they are just going to haunt them until they die. In other words, I have let my children see things they should never have seen. I have let my children hear things they should never have heard. I've let my children see Many of you, if you've been here for some time, you've heard my story. Somehow I just feel convicted right now. Somehow my spirit went there. Story I told you about my father and my grandmother. My father saw things about my grandmother that as a 17-year-old boy, he should never have seen. God knows how it has haunted him. He saw my mother conduct herself, you know, kind of similar to Noah, getting drunk and men uh, having sex with her as she fell. That is not straight. Men did whatever they wanted to do with her. That is not something a 17-year-old should see. That is not something any child should see, no matter their age. I am talking about that father tonight. We are praying for that father tonight. Oh, I know, I feel you. I know that it's easier to condemn that father. I know, I know that. I can confess that so easily. I have caught myself producing some really big feelings when I'm encountered with some situations at, at, at my workplace. You look at what this father has done and you <laughs> remember that expression that I told you? You feel like, you know, I told you anytime people do that, remember that they, they have somebody's neck in there, in between their hands. It is easier to condemn such a father than to pray for them. And tonight, what are we doing? We are praying. It is prayer night tonight, and we are praying for all these different kinds of fathers. Uh, Mrs. Mugans, go ahead and read verse 22. Uh, please use the microphone nice and loud so people can hear you. And Ham, um, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Yeah. Now, <laughs> so children are very different. Noah here has three sons. Now, the first son who saw this incident, this really shameful, embarrassing incident, <laughs> what he did was to run outside and told his older brothers about what he had just seen. I'll read the next verse and then Abraham will read the, the next one. So, verse 24. No, no, verse 23. Actually, a very important verse. Verse 23. So, Shem and Japheth took a garment laid it upon the shoulders of both and went backward and covered. So, petition two, went backward. Some versions say, they walked away without looking back. So, I want you to picture this. It's a moment where one of the siblings has just mentioned to the other siblings what, has, what he has seen 
Now the other siblings find a piece of cloth to try to cover the, their father's shame. But when they bring that, they try their very best not to see. Now I want to speak to our father who when you look and, and tonight is not the night for other people to, to do that job of reflecting on, on your behalf. No, that's not the kind of night. Tonight is that night when I, as Eddie, I look deep down with that flashlight that I always talk about. And then I, I allow the word to convict me. I allow the word to irrigate me. I allow the word to do what rain does when it touches the ground. I'm speaking about, or I'm praying for that father. I am thinking about that father tonight as we pray. That father who knows that for sure they have done things. Don't have a, I don't have a word in, in English. They have done things that have put their children in a very complicated situation. You have done something and you know for sure your child's awareness or knowledge or once your child learned about this thing, they found themselves in a very complicated place because they have just learned that what? My dad did what? My dad is the one who does what? And now they don't know what to do. They know you as authority in their life. They love you. They respect you. I hope, I hope they do. But now you have just exposed them to something that really messes up their entire life as long as they live. Those are the fathers that we are talking about. But even for the children. So I want to point out something as we come to the close of this reading that for all of us who are not those fathers, God knows I might be one of those fathers, but if you're thinking you're not that father, there is something that I want to share with you as we come to the close of this particular portion of scripture. And we're going to find that in the book of Ezekiel. But let's continue reading. Yeah, I was reading verse 23. So Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon the shoulders of both, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward. And they did not see what they did not see their father's nakedness. But I want you to just pay attention to that moment. They tried their very best. Remember they are the children. He is the father. But they are trying their hardest not to see what their father is exposing them to. And by the way, don't lose track that this was specifically because of drunkenness. That's a point also we could highlight because it's easy to, to miss what's going on here. What has become of Noah here has become of him because of drunkenness. And I know I have many friends who, who freely drink and uh, every such as trends they know that uh, I have said statements such as there is a big difference between drinking and getting drunk 
you would really uh, be pulling hair or milking a stone to show where the Bible says that to drink is a sin. But it is absolutely plain, plain, simple Bible interpretation to conclude that drunkness is a sin. Now, this is what I say. The line that divides drinking and drunkness is a very thin line. It's so thin that it's very easy to cross it. So what do I do, me? Knowing that I am a weak human being, I completely stay away from drinking. Absolutely stay away from drinking. <laughs> Verse 24, my brother, could you take that for me? When Noah awoke from his wine, knew what his younger son Ham had done. Yeah, so when it's it's interesting how the Bible says when he awoke from his wine. So the image here that we are picturing is that he was actually sleeping in the wine. That is how drunk he was. For those of you who speak Luganda, it's like he had taken a bath, Brahim, like he took a bath. In wine. <laughs> it's that image. It's that image that we are trying to picture here. But I want you to not lose track. This man we are talking about is the man in verse 1 who God blessed. Don't lose track of that. This is the same man that we are talking about. Verse 25. So you just heard what my brother read there. So he wakes up now and he learns of what the young brother had done, which is what he had seen his nakedness and ran to tell the two brothers and they had come to cover him so that he is not uh, completely exposed. Verse 25, Noah, so this is Noah. He exclaimed, he cast, he said, cast be canon. In, in Uganda, there's a thing we say, meaning uh, you, you, you turn your shame into anger. You do something shameful or embarrassing, but instead of expressing that, you know what, I really feel embarrassed, I, I just embarrassed myself, you turn it, you express that shame in form of anger. This is what we are seeing here. So he wakes up, indeed he was he was outrightly embarrassed. And what does he do? He cursed the young boy who had mentioned what he had seen to his brother. But just so you know, this young boy is not the one who fed him the wine. He's not the one who told him to get drunk. The young boy just reported what he saw. The young boy just reported what he saw. But his response, he exclaimed, he cast Buchanan, and he shall be the servant of servants to his brethren. So that's a, a curse that Noah extended on to his young son, specifically because he had just learned that that boy is the one who mentioned his nakedness to the other brothers. Now, if you open with, now that is the Noah. So you know, now you know Noah in that form. I want you to open Ezekiel chapter 14. 
verse 14. Now, prophet Ezekiel hears word from God. And God is sending him, so the context here is different from, from what we are talking about. But I want you to pay attention to how God is thinking about Noah. I want you to know, to mark, that this is post. This is after. This is after that incident of the nakedness. Many 300 years uh, down the road, after Noah had lived and lived many more years. Verse, verse 14, I'll read it nice and loud. Verse 14, the book of prophet Ezekiel, and I'm reading chapter 14. What does 14 say? 14 says, actually I will start from 12 so that you get a little bit of a context there quickly. So verse 12 says, the word of the Lord came to, the, the word of the Lord came again to me, so that's Ezekiel, and this is what it says, verse 12. I'm starting from verse 12. Verse 13, son of man, when a land sins against me by committing a trespass, and I stretch out my hand against it, and break its staff of bread, and send famine upon it, and cut off from it man and beast. So God is saying to Ezekiel, that you listen up. For me, I want you to hear me good. When a nation sins against me, and I send my wrath against that nation, and I kill every man and beast, this is, so he's, he's explaining the magnitude of his wrath. But look what he says in verse 14. He says, even if these three men, guess what, which men he mentions? Noah, Daniel, and Jacob were in it. They would save but their own lives by their righteousness, so which is their uprightness, their uprightness and right standing with God, says the Lord. So I don't know if you followed there. So he's saying that when a time comes and I'm going to strike a nation that has sinned against me, even if in that nation there were these very righteous men. You know which righteous men he mentions? He mentioned the same man we have just been reading about. That same father. He says even if in that nation there were these three righteous men, Daniel, Job, and our Noah, he says that he will still crush that entire nation and these men, even though they would save themselves, that's all they could do. They could only save themselves. But he doesn't leave that uh, sentence uh, in the open. He says the only reason they would save themselves is because of their righteousness. Is <laughs> because of their right standing with God. Now there's a scripture that blesses my spirit in so many ways. And I think it's one of the scriptures I've gone to so many times because of many situations I have encountered by people who either have written off some people in their lives or have written themselves off. Now, before you write this father off, and I don't know how many of you children there have, have, have fathers who have exposed you to their nakedness, before you write them off, I want you to think twice. 
before you write them off, I want you to consider what God has done. The wife of that father, of that man, if that man is your husband and that man caused or exposed you to things that as long as you live, you should never have seen. You would have been better off meeting your creator without seeing those things. If you are that woman, if you are that family member, before Abraham, before you write that man off, I want you to think twice about what God himself is actually saying about this same man. Because writing this man off is the easy thing to do. It is the easy thing to do to write this man off. To write this father off is the, is the easy thing to do. But the Bible says something beautiful that encourages my spirit in deeper ways than I can even put in words. It is in Second Peter chapter 3 and the verse is 9. I hope it's not the other way. Yeah, 3, 9, not 9, 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And the verse is 9. Welcome, our Reverend Peace, and your beautiful family. We love you in the love of the Lord. Second Peter chapter 3. We are reading this to encourage you who has been at the, the brink of writing off that father. So before you write off that man, or even st better still, if you are that father, before you write yourself off, I want you to consider what God might be able to say about you one day. Because these, these were, imagine what Noah would have felt like in that moment couple hours after that incident. Like you just want to disappear on the, from this planet as we know it so that you never have to encounter any person again. But before you write yourself off, my dear fellow uh, Christians, before we write those men off, before we write those family members off, before we write those fathers off. You fathers, before you write yourselves off, tonight we are praying with and for you. And this is what the Bible says about God's extraordinary patience. This is what it says. The verse is 9, the chapter is 3, and the book is Second Peter. It says, the Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is what? He is long-suffering, which means he is extraordinarily patient toward you. And this is one of the things that God does not desire. He does not desire that, you, that any should perish, but that all should turn to what? To repentance. This is God's desire. That no matter how many times as a father you have completely, completely missed it. No matter how many times you have, and, and please do not hear any of this as a license to continue messing up. To continue exposing your children to your nakedness. 
to continue burdening your children with weights that they should not ever have to carry. There's another father that also blesses my spirit. So that man, but also I want you to also think of the son, the message he gets from his father, the man Isaac. He was, the Bible says, a pastor piece. He was around 25. So he was of age. He, he, he was able to say no. He was able to say yes. He was able to make some decisions of his own, especially today. Some of our young men by the age of uh, nine, they believe they are actually really able to make some important decisions. <laughs> but this man was 25. And his father says to him, yeah, let's go. He wasn't dumb. He knew exactly what was going on. But he obeyed his father to the point of actually coming very close, just seconds away from his neck getting chopped off. And even up until that point, he was still walking in obedience. But I wonder, I wonder, like I invite you to always do in these stories, to wonder. I wonder what was going on in Isaac's mind as he thought of what his father was asking him to do. I wonder what he thought of his father, Jalam Gans. One of the wonderings that come to me is the thought that this man, this boy, must have really thought, wow, I have a crazy dad when it comes to listening to God. And I pray that your son can understand you that way, that when it comes to listening to God, yes, you go all out. That when Michael is talking about you, he would confidently say that, you know what, for me, when it comes to listening to God, my mom goes all in. She just goes all in. But tonight is a special night as we are talking about fathers. Somehow, somehow in my spirit, I also, uh, as, uh, so we have, I guess, many people are going to pray tonight. Somehow in my spirit, I'm convicted to also pray in a special way for black fathers. Now, for those of you who are outside of North America or outside of uh, this uh, continent, that statement may not hold any meaning to you. But if you're a father living in North America, living in Canada, living in the U.S., especially living around these times, the recent couple weeks, that statement would mean something to you. So tonight, as we take the time to pray for all these different categories of fathers, it is on my heart also that we lift up black fathers. And that is okay. We are, by lifting up black fathers, is not to put down any other father. We are taking a special, a special moment, a special minute to lift up black fathers. Somebody said that when, when creation was made, most people knew that all of us were equal. But along the way, the world behaved in ways that seemed to suggest that they don't remember that. That we are all created equal in the image of God. I want to say that all black fathers are created equal in God's eyes. They're just as valued 
as any other father. And not to that father who is sitting there and maybe you're looking at things you've encountered and you're saying, Eddie, there's no way you're going to convince me that I'm just as worthy as any other father. I am not uh, dismissing wherever, whatever has caused you to arrive at that conclusion. But I want you to hear that the Bible that I am standing in tonight has a word beyond any, any wisdom that this society can ever craft. So what the Bible says about you, for me, that is what I will use when I'm thinking about you. What the Bible says about you in terms of value and worth and dignity, that is absolutely what I will stand in. I will pray. I will hold close. I would hold you closely to my heart as I think about what God already says about you. Now, there's another category of father, of fathers, uh, Pastor Peace. The, the what I thought of as I was really uh, praying about tonight. You know, sometimes you pray what you you pray about what you're going to pray about. So as I did that, one of the things that really uh, came to me was a, a father that some of you, if I mention his name, you probably have never heard of him, and we do have those kinds of fathers. But yet, when you allow yourself to, to get into their lives or to, to understand them, you find that they have done really big things. There's a man in the Bible, his name is Gerard. Do you know that man, uh, Pastor Peace? See? I know, I know that um, many people have never even heard of that name. I think of these kinds of fathers as unsung heroes. The world will never know about them. The world has never heard of them. Yet when you actually allow yourself to take the time to, to see what they have done and contributed to this world, you will be amazed. By the Bible tells us the Bible speaks highly about a man called Enoch. Now, some of you know that name. I see you you're nodding your head. Now, Enoch, just so you, you wondered, had a father. <laughs> he did have a father. Now, what does the Bible say of Enoch? What does it say of him? It praises him as a man who did what? At the age of this was now at the age of sixty-five. Speaks of Enoch as a man who it speaks the same way about Enoch, and the same way it speaks about Daniel, a man who lived after God's heart. It is not a coincidence that when the Bible says to you and I, "Teach your children in the ways they should go, so that when they grow, they will not depart." For Enoch to have become the kind of man that he became, it is not it is not uh, an exaggeration to conclude that along his life as, as he grew, this man that the Bible only mentions once in the entire Bible had an impact on his life. In verse, uh, verse, verse 5, of Genesis chapter, uh, chap no, no, chapter 5 of Genesis, when you look at verse, uh, I think it is, let's see where it is, is it 17 or 18, chapter 5, 
when you see verse 18, what does it say? When Gerard was six, 162 years old, Enoch was born. This is the only time that the Bible speaks about this man, the father of Enoch. Tonight, we also celebrate and we pray and we thank God for those unsung heroes, fathers of this world that the world does not know about. The world might know of their sons and the great things their sons have done, but the world might never hear about those men. Michala Muganza, have you ever heard of the name Gerard in the Bible? So when you read your Bible in chapter 5 of Genesis and the verses 18, you will come across that name. And then when you read a little bit down, you find that that name is the man who gave birth to Enoch. We have heard of Enoch very great things, but we know that those great things did not just happen in a vacuum. So we thank God for those kinds of fathers also, whom I called the unsung heroes of this world. Tonight, we are praying for those fathers, for every type of father, the good, the bad, the ugly, all those kinds of fathers. Tonight, we as a ministry, we as a body, we have been led to take the minute and to continue to stand in that word as we pray.